welcome to the Reliance Community Podcast. Worship with us on Sunday mornings at 9 o'clock or 10.45 a.m. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. Okay, time to get started. What if I didn't have anything prepared? It's like my pastor's worst nightmares. But I do, I do. So I want to invite my kids to come back up. Um, so we, these are some of our student leadership team, and I've just asked them to share what the Lord has been teaching them, what he's put on their hearts. Um, so we did this not that long ago, uh, back in the end of November, right after we just got back from this amazing retreat where our kids encountered Jesus and we just worshiped together. And it was incredible. And uh, I'm so proud to say and so happy to say, like, that wasn't like a high point and then kids fell off. But really, the last three months, the fruit of that weekend has only multiplied in Reliance Student Ministries. Isn't that pretty cool? Amen. And so these kids are more on fire for Jesus today than they were even then, which is amazing. And in RSM lately, we've just been really pressing in to worship, been challenging these kids to step out of their comfort zones. Some of them will share about that. Um, but we just really love Jesus. If you're a teenager out there and you're like, what's going on with, with this youth ministry? Like, we love Jesus together, and uh, we're not afraid to be awkward in that, but we have a phrase around here that's awkward is awesome. Amen. And so I'm going to go ahead and open up the microphone wherever it went, and we're just going to take a minute to hear from your students what God is doing in their lives. So can we welcome these guys up one more time? Yeah. I'm Peyton Winter. Um, God's been really putting the word surrender on my heart lately. And Galatians 2.20 says, My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So this verse is really attributed to my life over the last year or so because I used to live like a churchy life and just going through the motions of being a Christian. And when I started coming to Reliance, I was really challenged and pushed out of my comfort zone, like joining the student leadership team. And I, could, I saw how God could really transform and move in my life. So I finally surrendered myself fully to, over to God and let him take control. And he really cleaned up my life and showed me my, who my true friends were. And my friends have been great encouragers and role models in my life, and they've kept me accountable in my walk. So God's been showing me his plan for me and pushing me out of my comfort zone, which is good but scary. So I'm excited to see what else he has in store for me. Hi, church. My name is Taylor. Um, I've been studying James lately, and I've studied James probably 10-plus times, but I never really took in this verse that I'm about to read. And it's first James 1.18. He says, he chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word, and we, out of all creation, became his prized possession. And that is such an honor that we became his prized possession. Um, out of all the things in the world, he chose us. And right before that, it says, out of all creation. He didn't choose the frogs. He didn't choose the horses. He chose us Christians to be his prized possessions. And that's just so crazy to me. That's such an honor. And so my challenge to you, my, well, first I'll share this story. My dad got a new truck, I don't know how long ago, and I remember how he was when he first got it. You know, the rules, don't, 
No food, no drinks, clean your shoes before you get in the truck. So my challenge is, what if we treated God like our prized possession, like that truck that my dad had? What if we, in return, gave him what he gives to us? I'm Hillary Neiman, for those of you that don't know me. My mom's sitting on the screen, so she's pretty great. Um, so everyone knows that God is everywhere. He knows everything, um, and that he's always present, whether we're present with him or not. But what does being in his presence really like? the presence of God different? Because it means different things to different people. Because people experience the presence of God differently. I don't experience the same as Jacob. You know, so whether it's through worship or prayer or preaching or Bible study, etc., his presence is always going to be there. For me personally, um, I found out that worshiping and sharing the word of God is like the switch for me. I get so excited. I'm like, oh, I'm ready to go like share some more, you know, like this is like so exciting. It's like I'm nervous and shaky, but like I love it. So... I feel the most connected whenever I'm sharing the word and worshiping, and worshiping not just music worshiping, like just worshiping throughout my day. And there's three songs that really just, sorry, I'm getting emotional, um, that I feel most connected with God, and that's Spirit Move, Rest on Us, and Tremble. They're my favorite songs to sing, and I listen to them on repeat because the lyrics just speak to me. I encourage all of you to find when and where you are most connected with God. Because I don't know how to explain it, but whenever you experience the presence of God, it's a whole nother feeling. It's not explainable because it's different for every person. Because we're not all in the same place whenever we come to God. When we're on our knees before God, we're not always, some of us may, doing better, may be doing better in life, some of us may not. Picture God at the top of a mountain and picture yourself at the bottom. The thing is, he doesn't wait for us to come up to the top and meet him. He comes down and meets us because no matter where we're at in life, he wants us in his presence. So I was live on TikTok and I was just doing my makeup and I had my worship playlist playing and one of my friends commented, how can God come to you, and what does he look like? That's a loaded question. Um, it, so I said back to him, I said, God can come to you in any form. It can be through a sign that you see, a dream, an event that happens, or a song. God's presence doesn't necessarily mean a whisper in your ear or a booming voice like you hear in the movies or that you see in the movies. It can be a, something a person says or the atmosphere that you're in. Sorry, mine's a bit long, so are Aaron, so I think we're doing okay. Um, <laughs> you know when you're at, like, a church camp, like, the retreat, we were, like, you're so filled with that excitement. You're like, oh, I'm going to go out and just be the best Christian ever. And, like, the few days after that camp, you're just, you feel so alive and you feel on fire for Jesus. And then that excitement die, tends to die out, whether we mean to or not. Why don't we keep that same energy throughout our daily lives and not let it fade after those few days? So 
Just get into his word and find when and where you feel his presence the most. And talk to him as if he's sitting across the table from you, as if he's a peer. Tell him about your day. Don't just be like, dear Jesus, please help me be better. Like, to be like, so today I went to school. Like, just talk to him. He wants you. He wants you to be in his presence because he can heal any wound and take off any weight that's affecting you in life. You just have to let him in. Hi, my name is Caitlin Rayburn, and um, I felt like I was supposed to talk about trusting in God. When you trust in God, you're secure or safe in Him. It's easy to trust God when things are going good, but it's a whole, nother, a whole nother level when things aren't going good. Sometimes when you are following Jesus, He will lead you right into the middle of a trouble or storm. That may be because He wants you to learn things from the experience you would never learn from anything else. Remember to always look for God in the way things are, because everything happens for a reason. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not rely on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. God is not waiting for you on the other side of your trouble. He is waiting for you in the way everything is. God is working his way and his will, but you just have to trust in him. Don't forget, God is always there. In Isaiah 43, 2 it says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and the, water, and the rivers will not overwhelm you. To trust God means to allow him to do what he wants to do, even if it fails. We are probably thinking, God, it can't fail. It's God. Well, that's the point. Therefore, we have to trust him enough to let him succeed. Let him succeed on his own terms, in his own way, in his own time. Not our terms or our way or our time. To trust God is to say, I'm not going to let I argue I will not resist. Let God to let God do what he wants to do and tell him I will not fight, I will not argue, I will not resist. Let God do what he thinks is best and don't fear the outcome. Um, hi, my name is Taylor Wallace and I talked really fast so I'm going to try to go slow. Okay. Anyways, a word that God has been putting on my heart is to listen. So. Um, be honest with yourself. When was the last time you sat down and just had a real live conversation with someone else in which you took turns and generally listened to what they said? No devices, no TV, no music, no distractions. No wonder it is so hard for us to listen to God. If we read Habakkuk 1, he bodily asked God all the really hard questions that were on his heart. It's hard to love someone, even the creator of the universe, if you're holding grudges and hiding your true feelings. We need to let go of everything holding us back from God and ask for forgiveness. Psalms 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. Notice that God does not say, Be busy and know that I am God. He says, Be still. Be still and listen. How do you actually listen to God? You can open His word and let His spirit bring truth to life. God speaks through circumstances and He can directly speak to you to reflect. He speaks through people offering divine wisdom from heaven. And He can directly speak to you through His spirit. God wants to hear everything you say, so open up to him and be still and listen. Hi, I'm Nate Perkey, and something God's been putting on my heart lately is to have the strength and being willing to share the word of God at all times during the day. And it's really easy for me to do when I'm at youth group and at church with all the people I know, but he's really been challenging me to do it in public while I'm at school and practicing sports and stuff. And... It's challenging me to step out of my comfort zone. And Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. To me, this verse means to be diligent and to know and trust the word of God. 
This also means that if you read the Bible, we'll be able to cut out all the lies and deceit in your life. 2 Timothy 4.2 says, Preach the word, be ready in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. And to me, this verse means that you have to be ready and willing to share the word of God no matter what circumstance you're in. This verse also means that when you're sharing the word of God, that you have to be gracious with people and have patience every day. And I'm thankful for the church. You have to be reading your Bible consistently all day and every day. And I'm thankful for the church and our awesome pastors, and I've learned a lot from them. I just want to share all that I have learned with other people. (laughs) Guys, thank you so much. As you're sharing, my heart is just like racing with all these things, Um, but really proud of them. So many of them, I, I asked them if they could do this, and well, I didn't really ask them. I told them they were doing this, and then... So many were like, I don't know about that. That sounds pretty uncomfortable. Um, And one of them, I jokingly texted back. I said, yeah, I know. But I'm sure the apostles weren't very comfortable being stoned for sharing the gospel. (laughs) And, uh, you know, I was half joking, but half true. Anyways, I'm proud of them because they they were courageous enough to get up here and just to share what the Lord is doing in their hearts And what I love, one of the things that had my heart racing was seeing them come alive as they're sharing what God is doing and what they're learning. Um, And they're like nervous about it, and there's just the process of maturity happening. It makes me think of like a flower blossoming, just the process of maturity happening. The Lord is doing something beautiful in the hearts of our young people, and they're going to be incredible. He begins the work, and he's the one who's faithful to complete the work. Amen? So our kids are amazing. Your kids are amazing. Thanks for praying for RSM. Thanks for investing in us. Um, And uh, thank you ahead of time for spending $500 on cake later, (laughs) because that will go back to RSM. Um, But yeah, so one of the things we've really been just trying to cover and uh, is is this whole thing I want to talk about, the identity of sonship and what it means to be a son of God. And uh, I know Aaron talked about this just a few weeks ago, but we could always talk about this, right? And uh, the Lord put some things in my heart of, of what it means to live in our identity as sons. And he just began to tell me these simple phrases, and I'm going to say them, and it's like, yeah, that's obvious. But a son belongs to his father. A son is from his father, and there is no son without the father. Okay, makes sense. But let's think about this. Just like as we are, children of God. I, if I know I'm a son of God, then I know I belong to God, right? If I know I'm a son of God, then I know I came from God. If I know that I'm a son of God, then I know that I don't exist without God. So do you see how these things go hand in hand? There's a transfer from the father of identity into his children. And it's his image, He says he only makes mankind in his image. I talk about this every time I get up here, but this is like what is alive in my heart. This is what God is doing in me. But there were things about being a son that the father was highlighting to me last week, and the first thing I felt like he was showing me was just sons of God, to live as sons of God, we must know that we're delighted in by God, right? I have a a son, he's two, and I love to watch him grow and doing all these things. We've been potty training for the past couple weeks. It's going well. I did catch poop in my hand the first day. 
for those of you who wanted to know. Um, anybody ever been there? You just, yeah, some people. Some people are like, I'm not raising my hand. Um, but my son, we do this potty dance every time. You guys know the potty dance? Every time he goes, he's like, I went poop on the toilet. Like, I go potty. And he'll tell us when he's got to go potty. And it's just like this sheer delight that we get to share in with Emerson as he's growing. My daughter, Lily, she's at the age now where she's crawling and she can pull herself up on things. And when she's like standing up, she like puts one hand in the air and she's kind of wobbling. And then she just starts screaming and smiling like, look at me, mom and dad. Look at me. Like, aren't you proud of me? And it's, it's so beautiful. My children, I love to delight in my children, and I think that's doing things in their little hearts that are going to produce fruit for a lifetime. And so when I think about being a son of God, this is, it just kind of correlates so beautifully. My son and my daughter, they're not like trying to earn my affection, although they're trying to impress me with their growth. It's just like... Man, I don't have to earn his affection, but I love to do things in the presence of him to smile at me. There's something, and I love for his gaze to be upon me and for him to smile at me. There's something, there's some delight there that goes deep in my heart. You know what I mean? And so it's really not about like striving to be his son, but it's just about like being with my, my father. And this is the first thing that he told me, what it means to be a son of delight. It's beautiful. And this is the first thing that he told me, what it means to be a son of God. It means to know that you're delighted in. Psalm 8, Psalm 8 has been wrecking me for the last week. Um, Ryan just read it, and uh, it was so good. But he's established his kingdom on the through the mouths of, of kids. It's so good. So let's go to Psalm 8 really quick, and I just want to read the back part of it, or I guess the middle part of it. Verse 3 says, when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you've set in place, who am I that you're mindful of me? You've made me a little lower than the angels and have crowned me with glory and honor, and you made me ruler over the works of your hands, and you've put everything under my feet. I'm inserting the word me there because this is a personal word, but he's talking, the psalmist is talking about all of mankind. This is how much the Father delights in you, his sons and daughters, that he would put everything, his whole creation, his whole good creation, and he would, he would give it to us and, and say, you are my most valued possession. Here's everything. Here's everything. And I was just finding so much freedom in this word, so much delight from our Father that he would actually do this for us, because it's kind of crazy, because we've really messed it up, haven't we? <laughs> but he hasn't regretted this decision right here. But if we wake up to our sonship, if we wake up to our identity as children of God, there's something really beautiful there that can happen. Proverbs 8, verse 30 uh, through 31. This was such a cool verse. The first time I read this was last week. Um, but it says, Then I was beside him as a master workman, and I was daily his delight. His delight. I was daily his delight. Rejoicing always before him, rejoicing in the world, his earth, and having my delight in the sons of men. Being delighted in by our Father is a son's deepest aspiration. Truly. 
if your dad was amazing, if your dad was not amazing, I, I'm willing to bet that the deepest aspiration of your heart was, was your father's affection. And this is what we get to live in every day as sons of God. And it's not like we don't, we don't, we don't earn this, we can't muster it up, but just like Emerson pooping on the toilet <laughs> and being so happy to show me and to tell me about that, like, it's just this beautiful relationship thing. Is that making sense? Father has also given us a name. To be a son of God means to abide in the name that he's given us. Our name is our legacy, and our name is significant because it's who people know me as, and they'll call me by throughout the entirety of my life. My name is Jacob. If you want to get my attention, call me my, by my name, right? Unless you're mean. And then I won't respond to you. But the Father's given me a name, and it's a daily reminder of who I am. It's a daily reminder of who I am. Isaiah 43, verse 1, and I I do particularly love that my name is Jacob, especially for times like this, but just insert your name here. But now this is what the Lord says. says. He says who created you, Jacob, he who forms you, Israel. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name, and you are mine. And I can't help but feel like the loving authority of my father as I read that, that, those sentences. I have summoned you by name. I know who you are. You are mine. And this has become a regular prayer for me, just as I'm growing, as I'm walking with the Lord, is like, tell me again, Jesus, who you say I am. Tell me again, who you say I am, getting in the secret place all day long and just being like, if, if, I, if I'm off, my, the Holy Spirit, he's such a faithful friend, he's like, hey, you should check in. Ask me again who you are. Ask me again who you are. And I hear the Father declare over me, I've summoned you by name, I've redeemed you, you're mine. You're mine. But too often, we try to define ourselves by other things, don't we? try to be self-made. We celebrate being self-made. It's so contradictory. It's so contradictory. I'm God-made. But when we define ourselves rather than let him define us, there's tragedy and there's confusion. There's a song that I love. It's called Inner Peace, and it's by a man named John, John Foreman, um, one of my favorite artists. But he this, sings this song, and it's kind of this wrestling of like, man, there's, where's the peace? Where can I find peace about who I am? And the Course says, how can we be ourselves if we don't know who we are? I'm looking for the one who made me. I'm looking for the one who made me. The, one who, the only one who has the authority to tell me who I'm supposed to be and what I was made for. And in the very beginning, he told me that I'm his, that I was made for his image, and to be a son. And when I try to insert this or insert that and make my life about all these other things, that's when there's real tension in my heart. And it's this daily thing of surrendering that again and laying it at the feet of Jesus like, man, Lord, I'm sorry for taking up these things. Lord, I just want to be who you want me to be. And I know that can kind of be hard. I know that can kind of be hard, but I also know the promise of my father is himself 
and he's going to abundantly fill me with, with mo- way more than everything I thought I had to lay down. And there's so much freedom to be his son. Our identity as sons means that we know that our father's for us. We know that he's our protector and our defender. If we go to John chapter 10, I love John. John chapter 10 is when Jesus is talking about being the good shepherd. And I love verse 4. It says, when, he, when he's brought out all of his own, everyone say his own. He goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. I love that Jesus is, again, just declaring that we are his own in here. But I also love that he says, I'm going to go ahead of you, the good shepherd. He goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. If we jump over to uh, verses 14 and 15, Jesus says right out, I'm the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. One of the things I love about Jesus is the way he demonstrates sonship, because everywhere he goes, he reveals the Father, doesn't he? And he's now just inviting us to do the same thing. We, as the sons of God on the earth now, just have the wonderful role of revealing who our Father is. That's what really being a witness is all about. It's just like my gaze is locked on my Father My heart is in tune with the Holy Spirit, and I'm just witnessing of his goodness in the earth. So my life's call isn't to make disciples, but it is just to be in his presence, and then the fruit of my life is is the disciple making. Does that make sense? It's just because I'm abiding as his son. There's no pressure to do anything for him, because if I look at him, he's going to move my heart into action. That's what it means to be a son. I love in this portion of scripture um, how Jesus is relating us to sheep (laughs) because sheep aren't very mighty are they and in fact like really all that sheep can do in this like are sheep good for anything other than wool food can you eat it oh you can't eat lamb I didn't yeah (laughs) maybe I should go eat some lamb is it good very good But I love how Jesus is relating us to sheep in this scripture because he's not speaking to us in how mighty we are, not as mighty sons of God. We can't add to his might, no matter how bad we want to try, because we do try, don't we? But the sheep aren't able to defend themselves, and really all that they can do is graze peacefully in the presence of their shepherd. They can't add to his might, nor does he ask them to. Our Father is so for us in that he'll give himself completely. If we go to Romans 8, we good on time? Oh, I'm almost done. Okay, cool. Romans 8. I love Romans. We've been in Romans with our young adults, and it's been so good. Um, Okay, here we are. Romans 8, 28, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, love him and have been called according to his purpose. To be in like our full identity as sons of God is to know that God is so for us that like we can abide there, you know, rather than like, oh, I have to establish myself for, so that, you know, everyone else can be for me or whatever. But if he's for me, who can be against me, right? And we get to know him like this, verse, God is for us. It says, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, everyone say, God is for us. 
Who can be against us? I love verse 32. He who didn't even spare his own son, but gave him up for us, how will he not also, how will he not also along with him, graciously give us all things? If he's even willing to give himself for us, how is he going to withhold anything else? Because in him is everything. He is the sustenance of who we are. And if he's not even going to hold himself back, then what will? If we go down to verse 37, know in all things we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. That's a pretty long list, and I think that pretty much covers it, don't you? Nothing can separate us from his love. And in his love, there's discipline. We're good parents, we discipline our kids, right? But it's not out of anger that he disciplines, it's out of love. And so true that when he asks us to do something and leads us into obedience, like that's what motivates our heart to action, right? It's because he loves us and his discipline is so good, but when we try to live without his discipline, then we lose our direction and our purpose. And, we, and then we go back to the thing about making us, our, we want to be self-made idols. I've been reading a lot in the prophets lately, and, and God is rebuking people for worshiping what their own hands have made, because they're dull and they're lifeless. And he says, how, could, how, how did you forget who I am? Like, I'm your maker. I've redeemed you. I called you by name. But you've chosen something that's, that's counterfeit. And I was challenged in my heart as I've been reading this just because I've been reflecting upon my own life and the dull idol of myself that I have worshipped. And God is calling me back into repentance. What if we were so trusting of his surgical precision that we would actually delight in having him cut off all the extra crap that was locked onto our heart? I know it's painful, but really why it's painful is just because he's removing the flesh from your heart And he's just uncovering who he made you to be. He's cutting away those things from yourself that you think you have to make it about. And he's really freeing us from that. And it hurts, yes, but it's like, oh man, he wounds us, but it's so good. He renews us. So we have one more story. I have a video. Um, This is a guy named Roman, and he's just an amazing kid. He got wrecked in the presence of the Lord at the retreat and this is just a little bit of his story. So if we have that, I'm going to go ahead and ask them to cue that up. I'm Roman Sonato. I'm a sophomore at Eisenhower High School. I play baseball and football. And in the varsity locker room, it's definitely worldly. It's not the most uplifting place. And it's so easy to get caught up in all that stuff, like football and school and partying and all that. It's just really easy to get stuck in all that stuff and lose focus of God and your relationship with Him. And I struggled with that before the high school retreat. And I was just really focused on football and I lost focus of God. I came home from school one day and my mom told me that I, she signed me up for the high school retreat. I didn't even know anything about it. She just told me I signed up for it. And the first thing I thought of was I got to hang out with my friends, got to hang out with them for the weekend. And once I got there, 
for the, the last worship session, I realized I was focused on all the wrong things. I was stuck in all the friendship and all that. And that's fine, but you have to focus on one thing when you're there, and that's God. And one thing that he showed me was that I was living for myself. I wasn't fully surrendered. I was living for the varsity locker room and all those other worldly things. And he just showed me his love. And I realized that I need to tell other people about it because it's, it's crazy. <laughs> I feel like he wants me to be kind of like a role model or like the first one to take the step. Cause like a bunch of guys in my locker room, you know, they don't know. They don't know him, They're not, they don't have a relationship with him. And I feel like he pressed into me to step forward and take the role kind of. Yeah. Amen. I love Roman's story because it's just beginning. It really is just beginning. He's talking about um, just discipleship now, and he's had this encounter with God where he learned what he's learning, what it means to be a son, and now he feels this like, oh man, now I can be a role model to the guys that I share a locker room with or whatever, and I just want to do that right. And uh, yeah, so I'm praising God for Roman because one encounter with Jesus changed everything in that guy's heart. And he's going to figure out what it means to walk in sonship for the rest of his days. I'm so confident of that. Um, so, all right, we're about to close. Can I pray for you guys? And I want to ask my students to actually come up here too. Yeah, you guys, come on. You guys, students. Is this what it's like at home? <laughs> Kidding, I know there are angels at home. Cool. And uh, yeah, I'm just going to ask them to just agree with me as I pray sonship and uh, daughtership over these guys. Jesus, would you just um, speak freshly to their hearts what it means to walk in sonship all the days of their life, Lord? Um, that their life would not be about striving and performance, but Lord, it would really be about freedom in you. I love that word that Caleb shared and prayed earlier, Jesus, that they would get to operate with the Holy Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Amen? All right, now will you guys extend your hand over your moms and dads in our congregation, and will you agree with me as we pray for them? So Jesus, thank you. Thank you for revealing yourself um, through children. And Lord, I ask that you would give us a childlike heart. Give our parents and our grandparents and our teachers, give our congregation a childlike heart that we would live as children of God, Jesus. Um, Lord, I thank you for the love that's in this church that's both way between children and adults, God, and the unity that's in this place. So Lord, would you bless us as we go from here? We love you, Jesus, and it's in your mighty name we pray. Everyone said? Amen. Thanks for listening today. If you want to find out how to get involved, go to reliancecommunity.org.